This is a Federal News Network podcast. Sometime in early 2022, you'll be able to check the calendar and chat with a colleague at another agency. No more emailing and hoping they'll respond. No more playing calendar tag to try and find an agreeable time for a meeting. The CIO Council tested out that new collaboration capability during a nine-month pilot with four agencies. Now it's ready to roll it out across the government. Federal News Network's executive editor Jason Miller joins us now from Hershey, Pennsylvania, where he's covering the Imagination Nation ELC event from ACT-IAC to discuss that small but important change to how you'll be able to collaborate in the near future. Hello from Washington. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jared. Hello from the sweetest place on earth. And tell us about this pilot and uh, how it came about. This is really the brainchild of Maria Roth, the federal deputy CIO, and she thought of this maybe back when she was at SBA as the CIO, where she tried to work with EPA and NASA on an Office 365 rollout. And as she got to this new role with OMB more than a year ago now, she started thinking about, okay, well, what are some of those broad government-wide initiatives? And she started talking to folks in the Chief Information Security Officers Council and some of the CTOs around the government. And the, the idea here is, are there common solutions? Are there things we all could use? And she got a real little bit of money from the CIO Council and really put it toward this pilot and worked with four agencies, the National Science Foundation, NASA, Small Business Administration, and the Department of Education to see if this collaboration pilot could roll out. And uh, I'm, I'm, she's pleased to say it is. And I caught up with Maria Rote at the Imagination Nation uh, Conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania yesterday. In the pilot, it was really the CIOs driving it, and so they were working with each other. So, you know, Dorothy at NSF and Jason over at Education were able to chat with each other, see each other's calendars and things like that, and that's how we're starting. But we know that there's a market out there already across the federal government, regardless of who you are, to have this capability turned on. So once we start turning it up, there's going to be a training component and and how to, you know, reach. I need to be able to reach you, Jason, over at Pick Your Agency that you work at. I need to know how to connect to you. But outside of that, it's actually quite simple um, on that. But again, we've got the PMO that's working on the policy and some of the other pieces as things come up. What is the benefit of calendaring and chat? I mean, I can call you up, Maria, and, and say, hey... I have a question, or I could send you an email just as easily. Like, what's in the calendar? Why do I need to see your calendar? Like, 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 explain to me a little bit of the benefits of that. Picking up the phone and calling somebody. Um, I don't know everybody's phone number, but hey, I know so and so at HHS is the expert on this thing, and I have a question. I'm just going to send them a chat and ask them a question instead of piling on email and sending another email and stuff going back and forth. And same thing for uh, calendar sharing. I can't tell you how much time assistants spend with emails going back and forth, who's available when, and being able to at least see free busy on a calendar will make life a whole lot easier because if I say, just look at what's open space, just pick something, there's not going to be all that back and forth. So, so in many ways, I mean, it's, it's convenience, it's time, but, but it really it's changing the way that CIOs can communicate, and not just CIOs eventually, but anybody. It's changing how we operate rather than what. We, we always communicated, and we emailed back, and it's changing how we do it rather than email. I'm going to be able to send you, Jason, a chat, you know, at the agency and just ask you a question or, you know, to be able to do those ad hoc kind of things where I'm doing it maybe on my text. If I have your phone number, I'm texting from my cell phone, but now I can just do it from the computer. There was a discussion discussion a member years ago when, when DOD rolled out DIOS and then there was something called CIOS and this seems to be kind of that the, the next 
if you will, iteration or the next thought process? Is that is there a longer-term goal if we're all on the same email program or on the same collaboration tools, or is this just you saw an opportunity and it's not, not necessarily related to the COS idea? Yeah, it's really not related, but Claire talked about doing the right thing, you know, moving forward this morning. This is about do, moving out for the federal government and doing it. I know DOD last year during the pandemic turned it up, you know, in the cloud, turned up all the capabilities, being able to share as ever as DOD rolled into you know, that hybrid work. And the federal civilian has just not turned up the capability across the civilian government. And since I've come into the role, I see the need for it. I see the people want this. They're asking for it um, at the staff level across the... So we're just doing it, turning it up. Okay, so now that you've had success, you have the PMO, what should we look for next? What's, What's the next kind of set of priorities or goals that you have for this program? So over the next couple of months, it's going to be turning up the calendaring and chat, right? So that's going to take a couple of months. Agencies, we had the first call last week. We've got a follow-up this week, another one next week. So open with all the agencies, right? So they're able to ask their questions once and everybody hears it and they can talk, right? Novel thought, right? But we're doing that. Eventually, it's going to be moving into being able to share documents, being able to just broadly collaborate with, and it doesn't matter what the tool is, whatever that capability is. And this is open when you say it's open to all agencies, so and just CIOs though first, and then you'll move broader as you see it works. Right, and it's not about people; it's about turning on the capability for an agency. So even if if you know Jason and Dorothy could chat with each other, anybody else in their organization can chat with each other. So once we turn on the capability, it's for everybody. It's not by person; it's by agency. So I guess the, the two things that occur to me is, is you said it wasn't a lot of money, and which tools are you using right now? Right now, we're because uh, we do have Microsoft as a common denominator across most of the federal government. We are, you know, I'll be honest, we're working on chat and, and calendar sharing within the Microsoft arena and looking at Teams down the road. But we also have pilots going on between Google and Microsoft for calendar sharing, for example. So we're looking to be tool agnostic. But we had to start somewhere. And again, that is Federal Deputy CIO Maria Rote talking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller at the ACT-IAC ELC conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And Jason, I guess the question that's probably in a lot of people's minds is why why was this not a thing before now? In many ways, each agency had their own internal system, right? So if you're at the education department, you could chat with other people in the education department. But if you want to chat with someone at the agriculture department or at NASA, it, d- it didn't work that way. You, you would have to depend on email or a phone call. And what Maria Rote said is, that's silly, right? She said, we can figure this out. Let's peel back that onion and figure out why we can't do these things. And sometimes people said, well, it's a records management issue. So she called NARA and said, hey, what's the issue? And actually, NARA has a policy that is you know, used once by many to say, you know, it's a policy around the collaboration capabilities. So they solve that, check that, right? So then they said, well, it's a cyber issue. She said, okay, well, let's look into this. So she did that as well and talked to some of the chief information security officers and they could sign some MOUs and, and figure out the security and, and check that. They got through that. So all these barriers that were put up over time were then she was trying to take them down, again, peel that onion to get to that, that center, which is the collaboration capabilities. The other piece of this is, okay, well, Jared, you use Microsoft and I use Google. That's not going to work. Well, while they're initially, as you heard her say, starting with Microsoft and they're going to start a pilot with Google, they realized that that wasn't actually that big of a deal. And that's something that, that you and I probably use all the time when we send an email to someone who has a Google account. It works. It pops right up on their calendar. So I, I think what we're starting to see is just an understanding of 
all those cultural barriers that they're getting through now have come down and now that's why they can roll this out. But it just took someone to, to really push this through. And Maria wrote just she has little patience for for talking about problems. She has a lot of uh, drive to solve those problems. Yeah. And it seems like one of those things where once you crack those nuts around around policy challenges and cybersecurity challenges, in this case, they were doing it to stand up a chat service. But once that's done, it maybe opens up a lot of other doors for collaboration through other kinds of tools. Are they starting to talk about things beyond chat? They are. And, and the documentation, sharing documents, right? Just not not a central SharePoint, right? But but something that you can do version control. And okay, almost like, and you know, you and I use this all the time and for our own internal purposes, Google Docs, where you can have access to it. I can access to it. You can edit it as I can edit it. That whole process is that next piece. She thinks that's really going to be also a big game changer. Now, the other thing they've done, and then this is also really important, is they set up a pro- program management office because this is a government-wide effort, and this is much more difficult than people realize, even though it sounds so simple. So the program management office is coming out of the Office of Government-Wide Policy at GSA, and they're going to play a big role in ensuring that this gets rolled out. Not a very big PMO, but but one that can see, okay, what policy issues, what culture issues are we running into? How do we overcome them? And then how do we get this, these technologies and these capabilities rolled out more quickly? All right, Federal News Network's Jason Miller joining us from the Imagination Nation ELC Conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Thanks a lot, Jason. All right, Jared, I'll bring you back some chocolate. Thank you very much. And you can find Jason's conversation with Federal Deputy CIO Maria Rode at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, 
I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. 
Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing, if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.